Good to be together this morning on the first Sunday of this year. Appreciate last week Dick Walmsley filling in sort of at late notice. Zach was supposed to preach, as many of you know, and he was struggling with some back issues, and some of you have asked about that. He has had a pretty good week, but is hurting this morning, going to come in at 10.30 to teach his class, and we'll plan to lead youth group tonight, but we need to continue to pray for Zach and his back. It's sort of an ongoing problem. Many of us are sort of familiar with that. We know what it's like, and it's no fun, so we want to pray for Zach. But I'm excited to be back after our little trip to down to Georgia to see some family, and be excited to, I'm excited to be with you this morning as we begin our year together and begin studying God's Word together in 2019. And today we begin a new series of lessons that I'm calling Divided, because we live in a divided world. It's red versus blue, right? We see that all over in our culture. We see the red versus blue that goes back over a hundred years. Big names involved in both sides. Animosity that continues to today. Differences between the two. One sort of associated with larger urban area. We see that at work even now. And even though one might say they're more successful than the other, recent gains have sort of changed the playing field. Now I'm talking about Cubs versus Cards, right? I don't know what you were thinking about. No, we're divided politically, aren't we? I mean, you were probably with some family over the last few weeks, and, and maybe you were afraid to talk about politics because you don't know where everyone stands. And right now in our culture, we are so completely divided that we can't even have a conversation about politics if we don't agree. And that's a struggle. It's uncomfortable. It's bad when people can't come together even to discuss the issues. That's one way that we're divided, but it's not the only way. We're divided politically, we're divided religiously. We see religions that maybe are a little unfamiliar to us, that are growing, and that creates some fear within us. How is this going to change our culture? How is this going to change our country? What's this going to look like in 20 years, in 30 years? How's it going to look for our kids and our grandkids? We're not sure. And because of that, we're a little bit afraid. We're divided along racial lines as well, and that dictates how we understand military service, law enforcement, employment. All kinds of issues are related to that. We live in a culture in which white nationalism is on the rise, and, and all of this makes us struggle. And again, creates some fear within us across the board. And in some ways, again here, we're not able to have discussions, conversations that are productive. We're divided along sexuality and gender identity issues and all the things that seem so new to us, and we don't even know how to talk about that as well. So what do we do as Christians living in a culture in which there is great division, in which we refuse to talk with one another if we disagree? How do we relate to the culture? How do we relate to the people around us? How do we talk about Jesus? And how do we relate to one another? How can we maintain Christian unity in the midst of a culture that is so completely divided? What do we do about that? You know, if we're not careful, <clears throat> our divisions become the way that we, we talk to one another, the way we identify one another. Sometimes it's easier to sort of see a person, size them up, and then put them in a category, right? That person is old, young, male, female, white, black, Latino. They have a lot of money. They don't have a lot of money. 
We have a conversation and then we know whether they're a Democrat or a Republican. We know what teams they root for. We know where they're from. All those things. And then we can put them in a category because I know what that category of people is like. I don't have to think about it anymore. And so I'm not really dealing with the person. I'm dealing with a category. And maybe I don't like people in that category. Or maybe I do. Either way, I may feel more or less comfortable because I know what category, I know what label to put on that person. The problem with that is, actually there are many problems with that. We create stereotypes, biases. We, because people are not in the category we like, can't have that conversation. And in the end, it hurts Christian unity because it divides us, and it hurts the mission of the church. The mission of the church is not as robust as it should be because we're not reaching out, because I don't really want to deal with people who have that label. I really don't want to talk to people like that because I don't understand them. I don't get them. They don't get me. And so we fail. So how do we as the church deal with living in a culture that is this divided? During this month, I want us to think about that. And today, to begin that conversation, I want us to turn to a powerful story that we find in the Gospel of John. It's in chapter 4. This is really near the beginning of Jesus' ministry. I, I preached on this story two or three years ago, and it's something that we've covered in classes, but I think it's such a powerful story, it's worth exploring again. Here we have Jesus really near the beginning of this ministry. According to John, we've really only seen one miracle that's been performed, one sign, as John calls them. And Jesus is sort of, he's dealing with now the mission of God, the, the kingdom of God, reaching out to larger areas. And so we find Jesus in Judea. Of course, Jesus is from Galilee. That's in the north of what we would call Israel, though they called Palestine. He's in Judea, near Jerusalem, for a religious festival. And it's time to go home, back to Galilee. So Jesus is going to travel from the south to the north. Now between Judea and Galilee was Samaria. And the question was, what do you do about Samaria? Because the people there were different. So what does it tell us? John chapter 4, verse 4. Now he had, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Well, he didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, most people didn't go through Samaria. What most people did was, if they were traveling from south to north, as Jesus was, they would cross the Jordan... They would go up the east side of the Jordan and then cross it again to get back into Galilee. They would go out of their way to go around Samaria so they didn't have to walk through that place. So they didn't have to encounter those people. You see, they had placed the label on the Samaritans. And because of that, they avoided them. So why does John say Jesus had to go through Samaria? Well, there were other roads in fact, they were frequently traveled roads. So what does John mean? I think what John is telling us is Jesus had to go through Samaria because it was God's will for him to go through Samaria. Because God wanted him to do this. Because there was something important about passing through Samaria at this time. And so, yes. Jesus did have to go through Samaria. Verse 7. 
We see Jesus come to this town called Sychar. And he sits down by the well because Jesus is tired. You see, Jesus had a physical body. We've just celebrated all of that, that he was born as a human being. And this is one of those times when when the Gospels confirm to us that Jesus really did have a human being kind of body. And so he's traveled and he's tired. And he sits down by the well. And then verse 4, verse 7, excuse me. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water... And in verse 6, it tells us this was about noon. We may note that. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now I read that, and it seems like through our Western 21st century eyes, perfectly normal, right? It's noon. Jesus has been traveling. He wants a drink of water. Somebody comes with a bucket to get the water out of the well. Why not ask for some water? Well, there's lots of things going on here. First of all, it's noon. Nobody comes to a well at noon. People come in the morning. They get the water in the morning and they take it home. It's cooler to walk. It's easier. You got your water for the rest of the day. Why is this lady coming to the well at noon? There's a reason. And then Jesus, Jesus asks for water. But there were all kinds of reasons Jesus should not have asked this woman for water. And yet he did. She notes some of those reasons. Verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. She says two things there. I am a Samaritan woman. How? Can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Two things going on there. I mean, she's shocked that Jesus has asked for water. It's something she was not expecting. In fact, she probably would have avoided eye contact with this man that she did not know, that she could tell was a Jew. She would not have even looked him in the face to have an encounter with him. And yet Jesus says, can you give me a drink? She says, I can give you a drink. First of all, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. You Jews call us dogs. You don't want anything to do with us. In fact, she's probably thinking, what are you doing here? Jews don't come through Samaria. Jews go around. They don't want to have anything to do with us. You see, she knew that Jews thought that Samaritans were less than. A couple reasons. Racial differences. The Jews saw themselves as the pure bloods and the Samaritans as the mixed breeds. Not fully Jewish, not fully Gentile, not pure enough. They were also religiously messed up. They believed stuff that the Jews didn't believe. Strange things. They rejected some things that were important. They worshipped in the wrong place. All of this said, you're different. We don't want to have anything to do with you. And yet here's Jesus asking this woman for water. Asking for hospitality. Willing to take water that she has touched unclean. She also notes there's a gender difference. He's a man. She's a woman. In ancient Judea, ancient Palestine, a man would not speak to a woman that he did not know that was not part of his family. You just didn't do it. It avoided all kinds of suspicion, all kinds of temptation. If you don't talk to her, you're not going to be drawn into a relationship that is inappropriate. And yet, 
Jesus spoke to her. A Samaritan woman. And so then they have this conversation. They move from water to spiritual things. You should read through it. It's an interesting interchange that they have. And Jesus is talking to her about spiritual matters, things that matter about eternal life. And then Jesus brings up another big difference. Verse 14, verse 16, excuse me. He says, he told her, go call your husband and come back. What's that all about? I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Awkward, right? Yeah, this is not something she wanted to talk about. This is not a subject that she wanted anyone to raise with her. In fact, this is probably why she's at the well at noon, not at the well when all the other women gathered at the well first thing in the morning. She wanted to avoid the stares, the comments, the questions, the averted eyes. She didn't want to be there when anyone else was there because she could avoid all the condemnation, all the judgment. But Jesus asks the question, She's not only a Samaritan, she's not only a woman that Jesus should have nothing to do with, and she's living a life that's broken, that's messed up. And Jesus could have taken this opportunity to let her have it, couldn't he? He could have taken this opportunity to tell her everything that was wrong about the life that she was living, but he didn't. Now, why was that? Was that because Jesus didn't think sin was important? Well, we know that's not true. We can read through the rest of the Gospels and know that the way we live mattered a whole lot to Jesus. But this was not the moment for that. You see, that would have shut the conversation down. It would have ended everything. Jesus wanted to keep the conversation open. And so he continues to talk to this woman about the spiritual matters. And there would be a time to talk about how she was living her life. But it wasn't that particular moment. Jesus was overcoming the divisions. And there's a lesson for this in all this. And then when the disciples come back, they're all just as surprised as everyone who read this. They couldn't believe Jesus was talking to this woman and they hadn't even heard all about her yet. And and we have this whole interchange about that. And and Jesus continues to have this opportunity to share the gospel. Read through John 4. It's a great story. But here's what I want us to see. Jesus overcame the labels. Jesus could have put her in lots of categories and said, okay, she's a Samaritan, not going to talk to her. She's a woman that I'm not related to, not going to talk to. And this is a person who's living their life in a way that's unacceptable, not going to talk to her. Jesus didn't do that. He overcame the categories, the labels, and he had a conversation. Here's the lesson for us. Resist the labels. See the people. Resist 
the labels. It is so easy for us. In fact, it's almost impossible. We encounter a person and immediately what do we see? We see, okay, how old is this person? What gender is this person? What race is this person? How are they dressed? What does that tell me about who they are? All those things. And that's without even speaking a word. We've already put all these labels on someone. In fact, we can't avoid doing that in a way. But if we're going to have conversation. If we're going to deal with people, whether they are people who don't know Jesus or whether they're fellow believers, we've got to resist putting labels on people and see the person that God has made. You see, God created people. We put the labels on them. And sometimes the labels keep us from having the conversation. Sometimes the labels keep us from having Christian unity. So the first step in overcoming the divisions that stand between us and fellow Christians, between us and people who don't know Jesus, is to see the person. And to do that, we've got to be super intentional about it. Because our natural bent, I think, is to see the label. Find the label, put it on the person, and then we know how to talk to them. But instead, see the person. Hear the stories. And maybe we'll understand who the person is in a deeper way than just the labels that we might put on them. We might understand the life that they're leading. We might have an opportunity to talk about faith. Maybe faith that we already share. Maybe faith that they need to hear about. Resist the labels. See the people. Preacher that I sometimes follow, Sean Palmer, put it this way. Unity is not what you do when you agree. Unity is what you do when you disagree. You know, when we all agree and we're all the same, it's easy, right? It's when we disagree, when we see the differences, when we find the divisions that are tearing our culture apart and they stand between me and another believer or between me and someone who needs to hear about Jesus... Then we have to do the work. Then we've got to figure it out. And that's hard. Last Sunday we had a great experience. We worshipped in the church where Leanne grew up, went to church with her mom. And two or three years ago, if you had gone to this church, and we did, what you would have seen is a, is a room significantly bigger than our worship room right here. Probably would seat 400 people or more, maybe 500 with about 30 people there. Mostly old. Mostly people who had been there for many years. Faithful people. People who loved Jesus. People who brought up Leanne and her family and lots of others in faith. People who all sort of looked the same. And you would say, if you're like me, man, give this place five years and it's going to be shut down. Because there's no way they can maintain this building, this facility, this place. But a couple years ago, another church, a church that didn't, had never had a building to call their own, a church that was reaching people and growing and reaching out into the community in creative ways and serving 
They sort of showed up one Sunday, and they had been doing this. Not unannounced. They called ahead. They made sure people knew what was happening. But they begin to have conversation. And eventually, these two churches became one church. And so what we saw last Sunday was a church, a building full of people, and they don't all look alike. And there's all kinds of skin tones present, and ages, and there was worship, and excitement, and anticipation, and preparation for what they're going to do in 2019, and the room was, well, it wasn't full, but it was a whole lot better. And it was beautiful. And I believe that's beautiful in the sight of God. When we can see past the labels that we might put on people and say, I don't, I don't know if I can worship with them. See, this church had, had been a, a very white church for all its existence. Not because... Anybody in that church didn't like people of color because they just never reached out. And somehow when these two churches came together, they said, we're going to see past all that because we all love Jesus. And that matters more than anything that might have divided us. And there's a lesson there for all of us. Because there's lots of things that divide us. But there is one thing that is so much more important than all the labels we could put on the people around us. And that's the name of Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for the name of Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus that calls us together and helps us overcome all the things that would divide us. And so God, we gather in Jesus' name today and we worship Jesus' name. And when we came around the table, we did it in the name of Jesus. So God, help us to overcome the divisions that would keep us apart as Christians and the things that would keep us from reaching out to people who need to know you. God, we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.